Welcome, everybody, to the Talking Avatar podcast. This is our deep dive this week on the final episode, the final uh, interaction between the big bads. Uh, As always, my name is Jesse. And I'm Daniel. And today we're going to talk everything about this final episode. We're going to break it down all the way from the top all the way to the bottom. So strap in, get some water, let's go on this journey with us. Daniel, start us off. What do you want to talk about this episode? All right, my dude. So, as you said, this is about the finale episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. There's a few things I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. First one, I want to talk about the... There's Okay. I want to talk... There's two main fights that go down in the final episode, in the finale of Avatar The Last Airbender. There's a fight between Aang and Fire Lord Ozai, and there is, I argue, an equally important fight between Zuko and his sister, Azula. Right. All right. First thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about the morality of Aang in his fight with the Fire Lord, mm-hmm. why he doesn't beat up the Fire Lord harder, what this says about Aang, what this is about the universe that Avatar is taking place in. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into it then. So do you, th- uh, I mean, I think that he kicked the shit out of Avatar Ozai. Or not Avatar Ozai, Fire Lord Ozai. He obviously, okay, let, let's, let's step back. Maybe I'm incorrect here, but if we step back and we examine the facts, he very, very much... Uh, did the exact opposite of kicking the shit out of Ozai. Really? Tell me yeah, why. He literally doesn't kick the shit out of Ozai. Dude, he fucks him up pretty bad. Tell me how. Well, or he either fucks him up or attempts to fuck him up. I know that for a few times he throws like really fucked up things. Mainly the the beatdown comes when he goes into the Avatar state, right? Because the way the fight is structured is the first half, it's Ozai's um, advantage. And then second half is Avatar's advantage, right? Avatar state switches, the, switches that. And so when actually in the beginning, this is kind of a good duality to show when these two uh, turning points happen. In the very beginning, when Ozai approaches Aang to start the fight, he shows his power by screaming into the air and putting his fists out to the side and shooting out to the side and shooting three uh, flame uh, streams. And then when Avatar goes, uh, when Aang goes into the Avatar state, he does the same thing, but the only difference here is that he shoots it out from every limb of his body. So he's got five arms of fire and he's levitating in the middle of the air. And so it's, it's very much a standoff that shows kind of who's going to be in control for this part of the fight. Okay. All right. I, I got to say here, I think avatar state Aang is not really Aang. I avatar love it. Is, yeah. Because you're right. Avatar state Aang does kick the shit out of fire Lord Ozai. Right. And definitely has fire Lord Ozai on the ropes. But Avatar State Aang, it's it's pretty well established, I think, throughout the series, right? That when Aang is in the Avatar State, he loses control over his emotions and he really loses himself. Mm-hmm. He becomes like, he is still Aang, but he kind of becomes another being, right? right. In many ways. He loses control over himself. Um, and so, yes, that version of Aang does kick the shit out of Ozai. I'm curious. But the much more oh, emotionally true version of Aang holds back Time and time and time again. Examples. He doesn't hit him with the lightning. Yeah, go for it. No, go ahead. The lightning is a good one. Hit, he does not hit Ozai with the lightning. When when he very first attacks Ozai, Ozai is at the front airship and he's ready to start raining fire upon the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and Aang has total control of the situation. And what does he shoot his first attack at? The, the airship. The airship. The airship. And he shoots it at the engines so that way the airship falls slowly to the ground rather than burning up and killing everyone inside. Aang Aang takes the the less violent path every single time 
he can during the fight. Which is the preservation of the character in many ways. Yeah. What, 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 do, you, what do you mean by that? Tell me more. Well, I mean, the, the big challenge in this episode is to see if he's going to take Ozai's life, right? And he's adamant saying, I will not take this man's life, right? And so it's very on brand that at every step, he picks the more noble option. And it just goes to solidify and back up his character and kind of that character's morals in a way because not he's not doing it on a philosophical basis he's protecting his morals at every turn he shoots the airship he redirects the lightning he doesn't burn up everybody in the ship you know he's living his decisions and what he talks about instead of just having that one fight with ozai that, that is a philosophical basis though what do you mean Oh, there was a moment there where I thought you said that he was not doing this on a philosophical basis. Well, purely philosophical. He's more in practice as well. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. He's yeah. not. He's talking the talk and walking the walk. He's walking the walk. Yeah. Which is fa it's fascinating. But let's and, talk about what really allows him to do that. This goddamn superpower he gets in the ninth hour of his fight. Yes. Here's the thing, though. He was willing to die. What do you mean? Aang was almost dead. Aang was going to die. When he was fighting Ozai? He was not going to win this fight with Ozai. Ozai yeah. was kicking the piss out of him. Yeah. Ozai was beating up Aang. Yeah. Aang, at one point, catches a blast of lightning, yeah. shoots it, points at Ozai. Ozai looks up. He goes, oh. I'm fucked. And then he points it into the air, right? And he yeah. shoots it off the air. That decision was a life and death decision for Aang. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And honestly, quite foolish in my opinion, but that's part of the character. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I think you're right. I think it is foolish. Yeah. I think I think Aang made an outlandish decision in that moment to decide to die rather than rather than kill. Right. Like right? That, that guy that that decision to, to allow that guy to live would have resulted in X amount of death, right? Like multiply exponential amount of death. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting that like the show is willing to have its main character be foolish. Yeah. And make a bad decision. And and that also the other characters, like when Aang is on the back of the turtle uh -huh. and he's talking to past avatars, that I wrote down the advice. By the way, we're on a season season three, episode sixteen, by the way, everybody, for just checking purposes. So the the avatars that he talks to the first he talks to four past avatars he talks to um yeah the first one says the most important thing is to be decisive the second one says the most important thing is justice mm -hmm. the third one says the most important thing is to shape your own destiny and the fourth one says that the avatar is not a spiritual being that they do not have the right and they do not have the privilege or the right to leave the world. Who said but that? It was, he calls upon an, another air nomad avatar mm -hmm. in order to get an air nomad perspective on his, on his conflict. Smart. And what she says is that the avatar cannot leave the world, but that they have to sacrifice their own spiritual needs to protect the world. Wow. Aang does not do that. Mm -mm. Selfish. It is. It was selfish. Mm -hmm. It was deeply selfish and it was flawed. And it was also about running from his problems. Right. Aang has always been somebody who runs away from adversity. Mm -hmm. And here during his greatest conflict, he chooses to die rather than face his own adversity. Right. He runs again in a way. Yeah, he runs again. But, it, but he runs in a context where he cannot reasonably hope to escape. Right. Exactly. Right. Like there, there is no escape from like super powered Fire Lord, right? 
Right, and if the Fire Lord had had done like one or two more things, he probably would have killed Aang. Or if Aang, I I don't know really what the Avatar state situation was going on into this fight because it, if I recall correctly, it only activates when he hits his wound against a rock. Yeah, the Avatar state was like cut off by his injuries or something. But then it reactivated because he hit a wall or something. Yeah, a rock strikes him in the back. And he gets mad or something and he starts. But like, if he did, honestly, I thought about that a lot because I thought, why the fuck are we going to have the Avatar master all four elements if you're just going to use the Avatar state, which already knows all the elements because it's a million lives to defeat the Fire Lord? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Yeah, because they make this whole hype up about uh, like, oh, if you die in the Avatar state, if you die in the Avatar state, it kind of feels like a cop out to have him use the Avatar state to beat the Fire Lord. Like, but it kind of feels like a cop out to not have him use the Avatar state to beat the Fire Lord. That I mean, that's a good point. But I think that the whole point of it have, have all of these seasons instead of him just pulling up to the Fire Lord's house, you know? Like, what was different about this day? Well, maybe he was more, maybe he was on his own, and maybe that's one thing. But, like, what yeah. prevented him from day one just going in in Avatar stating up and fucking him up, you know? So so there's actually an episode about this. There, there's an episode where he gets captured. He and his friends get captured by an Earth Kingdom general. Mm-hmm. And the guy basically says, hey, man, I heard about that shit you did in the Avatar state. You're a fucking nuke. Yeah. Like, we're going to figure out how to trigger this and and the king and then we're just gonna whip him you know yeah. and, and the conclusion was that ang couldn't control the avatar state reliably enough to use it as a weapon which is interesting because in Korra, she very clearly does yeah Korra like, does she well i mean yeah she like goes in the avatar state avatar state at will if you recall she actually uses it to win a um air ball race with her her cousins or her airbending uh the younger airbenders I don't remember that. I'm only on episode. I'm only on season three. Oh, it's on season one. Uh, oh. She's she's doing that thing that Aang was on the ball of air and like yeah. racing, racing the children of the, of the airbender. And she uses the Avatar state to go a little bit faster at the end. That's yeah. really interesting. Actually. So I, that's something that's interesting that seems very exclusive to only this show that like he doesn't have control over it, which maybe that deals with how they handle with emotion, how maybe that Avatar was much more kind of willing to be emotional and be out of control and so therefore she had more control but this avatar very clearly wants to control himself in any way shape or form and so being in that uncontrollable state was uncomfortable for him and he couldn't acclimate it is interesting though because Korra typically has less spiritual power mm-hmm. and i feel like controlling the avatar state is something that would take more spiritual power yeah which should give ang an edge but clearly didn't right clearly not at all uh but to bring it back to kind of this fight I mean, I think that I want to talk a little bit more about less about the Avatar staying, more about the power that was given to him by a lion turtle to take away bending. That seems like a huge plot device, uh, a huge fix all that yeah, comes it's crazy. in. Yeah, let's talk about it. All right. What do you want to say? I mean, are well, I just did think, you want to start somewhere or if uh, not, I'm like, not? Yeah, I just think that it's I think that it's kind of honestly a cop out. Like, I think it's a little bit of like you said, it gives him an out, which necessi- doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not the conflict and plot, plot resolution I would have liked to see. Okay, I agree. I agree. I fundamentally agree with you. It's not the plot resolution that I would have liked to see, and I wish they'd come up with something cleaner. Yeah. That being said, in defense of it anyway, Aang doesn't just get handed this magical power. 
mm-hmm. Aang worked really, really hard to find an alternative. It was only after refusing to kill the Watermelon King with his friends on the beach, mm. right? And and becoming really deeply upset about his role in the upcoming fight, right? That Aang is kind of, he's searching for another path. He's searching for another path. The Lion Turtle finds him. Mm. On the Lion Turtle, he talks to his four past Avatar states and all three of them give kind of in, like wishy-washy, like choose your own path kind mm-hmm. of answers. And one of them very clearly says, you need to kill this guy. Roku? Not Roku. I um... actually... Kiyoshi says very clearly that you need to kill this guy, but also the, the the final avatar, the uh, the airbending nomad said you got to kill this guy. She said very clearly, like you have to sacrifice your own spiritual happiness in order for the sake of the world. You have to kill this guy. As an aside, I wanted to talk about uh, Kiyoshi for a second. Apparently, she's that way because she was very aggressive and uh, very kind of she acted that way as her as the avatar so she was ruthless and like really treated things with a earthbender attitude and she actually resented herself for it because she like was regarded as such as kind of a savage in a way because she was not regarded as a positive figure as the avatar so that's really yeah yeah i was looking at a character breakdown of her the other day i bet there's more in the actual book but she was very aggressive and like she killed a king um or she chen chen yeah chen the conqueror and she she was like very blatant like yeah i did that and like i'm glad i did that like she was very much like that needed to be done right and very kind of real yeah i do it again like like very real very based in reality and apparently she was just very aggressive and that was her defining feature as an avatar that she even resented herself for it but she saw it as a necessary evil that's really interesting and it really shows how even these avatar characters are imperfect consistently throughout Right. And Aang's imperfection, his inability to to really properly handle or, you know, what everybody else thinks is the proper way to handle the Fire Lord Mm -hmm. is actually what winds up letting him find another path. Right. right? Because it's, it's really his denial and his unreasonableness and his unwillingness to kill the Fire Lord that eventually gives him the opportunity First of all, it gives him the opportunity to find the lion turtle and get the power from the lion turtle, like mm-hmm. get the knowledge from the lion turtle. Right. And then second of all, it gives him the opportunity to have the disabled Ozai in a position where he can bend, uh, where he can energy bend against him. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't just walk up to Ozai and energy bend from far away. Right. Like, yeah, he has to have this like completely de- disabled, debilitated Ozai. Yeah. And only then is he really able to use this skill. So, like, it's not just a free gimme. He works he for it. really, really hard for it. Yeah. I would challenge you on that because the majority of the legwork there was done by the Avatar State. <laughs> yeah, but all the risk was taken by Aang. That's a good point. He was the one taking on the risk. And I he think... did it over and over and over again. Yeah, dude. And he kept getting up. There's a few yeah. scenes where I was like, this guy should be dead by now. All right. And let's be clear, everyone in the Avatar world is apparently invincible and can take really big hits. There was this one right. hit where uh, Aang shoots out air and Ozai just goes flying and just smack into the side of a cliff and he just goes, and he gets up. I thought, man, <laughs> that'd kill him. That would do it. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, he gets to that state when he when he is about to kill the Fire Lord and he, he, he kind of, you know, he gets out of the Avatar state. Something I want to talk about in that specific scene is Ozai approaches him 
And I think this is kind of the saving grace for that kind of thing where I say, oh, it's kind of a cop-out to have an Avatar state. Ozai approaches him to attack him while his back is turned. And he senses Avatar's uh, Ozai's approach via seismic sense. And he sees where he's going. And he very eloquently backwards earth bends with his foot to trap Ozai's hand. That's like such a masterful and graceful thing to do while earthbending, which is traditionally very rough and very like kind of heavy thing to do, right? That they're was all this Avatar State anger. Was no, this anger? was hit. He goes, "No, I'm not gonna kill kill you." And then Ozai starts to belittle him for not being enough, and then he tries to attack him, and then Aang uh, just leans forward and kicks back with his foot and shoots up a pillar of rock that traps his hand, and then he does the same thing on the other hand. That's when he goes into the to the grip the grip right the, but that showed more mastery than the entire fight i mean he that was so cool i was geeking out about that just because he backwards earth bended that's a huge deal you know that is really cool it shows how he is different in a very small way but they keep well, showing and, and that. it shows that he he has achieved you know that we keep we we said earlier we this i'm really glad we're tying this together actually we talked earlier about like why doesn't he just turn on avatar steak go kick this guy's butt and then leave right right you know, like, why does he actually have to master the four elements? Uh-huh. And, like, that exact moment shows why. Right. Like, he, the things that he's willing to do in the Avatar state are things that he's not willing to do outside of the Avatar state. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to control the Avatar state. He can't turn it on and off, and he, so he can't use it as an effective tool. Mm-hmm. He also, turning it on and off puts him and people around him at risk. Right. So those are reasons why he can't just turn it on. And then he had to learn to master all four elements so he would win the actual fight, right? And, right. It, and it really, it just kind of combines it all together. That moment where he, he earth bends his defenses up, right. like, like he had to learn how to take control of the avatar state enough to stop to like it, get, to get out of it, to stop it. And that shows a lot of growth. Yeah. And then he had to learn enough about earth bending, which was the hardest bending for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had to learn a lot about earthbending in order to use earthbending to stop it. So it shows how at the end of the series, right at the end of the series, we really see two examples of how Aang has actually become a true master. Right. Um, and I really like this fight. This fight in general is really interesting to me, especially um, Aang's part in it when it's compared to the other fight that happened okay. in the show, the fight between azula and zuko i think those are nice parallels two sides of the same quarter and i'm making a little bit of a segue because i think that out that was given to ang is not given to zuko how so well i mean ang get this magic superpower at the end of the day to take away bending and solve his problems zuko's only solution to dealing with azula is to fight her and presumably kill her right that's that's the the presumption there. He doesn't go in there with chains. He doesn't go in there with any type of equipment at all. He goes in there ready to fight. And the fight that they do have is like to the death. It's so intense. They're throwing basically massive flurries of fire towards each other. Like I said, I'm not sure if I said this already, but if one of the of them were to lose in this fight, it wouldn't just be a burn. It would be incineration because of their enhanced right, they powers be they would be killed right right what did you notice about that fight 
Oh no, I'm I'm agree. I was agreeing with you completely. I wasn't trying to interrupt at all. Man. Oh yeah, no problem. Um, but I think to kind of cement that difference is the the music and kind of the treatment given to both fights. You notice that at all? Yeah, I I totally noticed the music. Well, one one more thing before we start talking about the music. Yeah. You know, I I really I I think it's really cool, kind of what you pointed out here about the fact that like you know, Ang, the Ang versus Ozai fight. I guess I'm reiterating what you said yeah. already. But the Ang versus Ozai fight is kind of about. You know, it's about finding another way, like finding a nonviolent resolution. Yeah. Whereas the Zuko and Azula fight is all about like, all right, like we're gonna we're gonna do it. Here yeah. we go. Like this is the end here. Right. And that gets picked up in the music, as you just indicated, right? Mm-hmm. The music in the Zuko Azula fight is sad. It's like this tragic, kind of very somber. I it's I feel like a solo or maybe a duet kind of yeah melody whereas the ang ozai fight is this like massive climactic like wham bam pow like yeah. right chaos and yeah chaos and like very like big and like crazy right you know and, and i think it's because like the zuko azula fight is a much more sad experience like it's a brother versus a sister mm-hmm. but it's also like in in many ways it feels like there's there's even a little bit more on the line yeah Right. Because like, I don't know, like Aang's got some plot armor. Mm-hmm. Right. And we like we don't necessarily know that he's going to be OK, but like we think he probably will be. Right. But like the Zuko fight is like there's a lot of I think there's more potential for injury there. And like there's fewer bars being held. Right. I don't know. And there's no less less tricks there. Right. He can't go into the Zuko state. He doesn't have a magic right. power to you know disarm Azula who let's not forget is an unhinged mental patient at that point. Right. She's losing it. So, I mean, her capacity to kill is at an all time high. And we see that she tries to kill Katara. Like, yeah, that's something interesting that happens that I don't really understand why I, I guess it's a plot device. What'd you think of that? I, this stupid biatch Katara. <laughs> Katara should have never been there. I mean, okay. All right, so Azula tries to kill Katara. She goes for Katara, which, by the way, like, that's the right play. Yeah. And from Azula's perspective, like, absolutely great move. Like, she's an unhinged maniac, and she is not having a lot of success against Zuko. Like, okay, she goes for, like, the other person in the, in the, in the area. Yeah. Okay. Katara should not have been there. No. There's absolutely no reason at all mm-hmm. why Katara should have been anywhere near fighting range. Yeah. Not only was she near fighting range, she was on the field. Right. She was in the arena. And then she's literally in this arena. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to attack. Oh, no. Yeah. She sits there kind of like motionless. Like, I didn't see this coming. And like, there was so much forewarning too with azula positioning looking at her laughing going in for the move because that that lightning doesn't isn't instantaneous she had to do a little bit of crap with it so like (laughs) like they're this in all accounts what else was katara looking at there's no phones invented right no she just shouldn't have been there no she was there yeah super bad call but then we would never have gotten the cool scene where she freezes her and then goes in and or not freezes her she freezes her in the water and then goes in and uh and hooks her up to the chain yeah 
I think I think it's really cool like this this concept that the stakes are higher. Right. Like right. the stakes for the world are higher in the Aang fight. Mm-hmm. Well, like the stakes for like our characters are so much higher in yeah. the Zuko Azula fight. Like they might actually get hurt and like they don't have like a super powerful like mental state to like retreat into. Right. And they also aren't, you know, the Fire Lord. And like Aang, we all know, like is trying his best not to hurt the Fire Lord. And it's just not what Azula is trying to do. Yeah, she's got that's blood. Just so cool. Yeah. yeah yeah and um it's also interesting to note like the differences between ozai and azula right and since they're very similar but also seeing like an unhinged azula then difference between her, from her father um i mean one of them is being her reliance on lightning she's super about it um but like their fighting styles is really interesting um i think that zuko's and azula's are pretty similar when they're on when they're using fire but it's only when lightning when she differs uh it's a little bit of a yeah, dance I mean, when they're when I'm they're not fighting super aware of the differences in their fighting styles necessarily I, I would have to rewatch the episode for that i really like the duality in the the color of the fire between hers is blue and his is red and it kind of shows like it's just a it's a very visual experience you know it's it so shows beautiful. the difference and then you also see at one point they're they're doing they're uh projecting fire uh, forward and it creates kind of a, a circle um, where one side is blue and one side is red so maybe more of a rectangle um, of fire being ah. exchanged on each on, on both sides and it's interesting because they're both just like going at it so hard you know and you you that's when you see the stakes being high you know the death of these people being on the line Do yeah th- dude it, it's the most i think that's some of the most beautiful scenes in the entire I mean, really in the entire show. Do you think that the stakes should have been higher for this episode? Do you think anyone should have died? Yes. Who? I, I think whoever got zapped by the Zula's lightning should have died. I think so, too. Who got zapped? What, did Zuko jump in front? Zuko jumped in front of Katara. He should have died. Yeah, he was like, ugh. Or, you know what would have been even better, honestly? What? Katara should have died. That would have been cool. Yeah, because that she would She deserves give... it. She shouldn't have been standing there. It yeah. was literally the single dumbest thing anybody did in the entire show, except for season one when they like didn't decide to stay with Boomy. That's a whole separate conversation. We're not talking about it. <laughs> but she should have died. She deserved to die. Fuck her. Yeah, dude, That's I agree. Language. Yeah, she. I think her dying would have been really interesting because then you would have had Aang having to deal with grief. You would have had Zuko having to deal with guilt. Um yeah. And then you'd have to also see the effects of what that anger and those negative effects have on Azula, right? Like, let's say, like, she died and Azula got imprisoned somehow, he, that Zuko didn't kill her. Aang comes back, shatters it, just murders her right there. Just like, you know, that'd be so interesting. I, I, I understand that it had a limitation with what it could do. It is a kid show, after all. Yeah. Um, well, wait, I mean. Yeah, I also don't think necessarily that Aang would have murdered Azula out of anger. Like, I don't think. Like, here's the guy who just, like, mastered not only the four elements, but also his emotions, right? Right. True. But, I mean, like... I don't know. Do you think he would have killed somebody over this? Like, I, I don't... That's a hard call, primarily because that's his love interest, you know? Like... Yeah, but but also, like, in the context we're talking about, it wouldn't be a fight. It would have been, like, murdering, like, a prisoner. Right. Like, she would have been, been like, an execution. in a straitjacket in her jail cell, and Aang would have walked up and been, like crush her head with a boulder like that's not gonna happen i'd sign up for that episode i'd be down <laughs> <laughs> all right but what else you want to chat about the episode i think that's all, all right. i got yo man that's um 
You know, that's most of what I got. Yeah. All right, man. Checking over my notes here. And I think we pretty much nailed all of it. We, right, we got to talk about the, the difference between the two battles, the differences in the music. Mm -hmm. Got to talk about the, the attitudes of the characters and kind of how Aang is approaching the problem solving. We talked about the running away. We talked about the avatar state. Man, we talked really about how hard Aang worked for that out that wound up being a really easy out, but kind of wasn't. Yeah. This was solid, man. All right. Well, join us next week, everybody, as we go on a deep dive on General Iroh and everything about him. From uh from his general days all the way to his tea drinking days, we're gonna do a deep dive, which I'm super stoked for. So I'll see you next week. I'm so hyped. All right, bud. Love you, dude. Love you, man. Bye.